1: This is the Italian American podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, and travel. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri. In today's episode, we are featuring an interview with Pat Harrison, who is the president and CEO for the Corporation of Public Broadcasting, and also in the Italian American Stories segment, you're going to hear a short tour of the Italian American Museum located in New Orleans. And if you aren't aware of it, there were a lot of Sicilians that emigrated over from Western and Southern Sicily to New Orleans. And so you're going to hear about that. It's a short tour and we'll include some photos in the show notes for this episode. Dolores, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well, Anthony. Anthony. I think that our listeners are, are really gonna appreciate a lot of what um Miss Harrison talks about in this episode. She really gets into how growing up with Italian Americans, you know, the people who raised her really shaped her values and of you know, of course really contributed to the success that she's had. It's gonna be a good listen.
1: That it is. And before we jump into it, I just want to mention that we do write on our off-podcast weeks on our blog at italian Podcast.com. You can click on blog. The latest article is one that I wrote, which is entitled "Some of my Fondest Sunday Dinner Memories are from the Kid's Table." We all remember gathering on the kids' table with our cousins and brothers and sisters, so I reflected on that and got some funny photos from my aunt and that I'm really happy to share. So check that out. Leave your thoughts and comments on any of our posts. We're very responsive. And also, I want to just mention that we do have a newsletter. So if you like listening to the episodes, if you go to our website and click join, sign up for the newsletter, as soon as we publish our podcast episodes, you'll get an email in your inbox with the episode. With that, we're going to introduce our guest. But first, a word from our sponsor, the National Italian American Foundation. I'm John Viola, president of the National Italian American Foundation, proud supporters of the Italian American podcast. At NIAF, we see ourselves as leaders for the entire Italian-American community. We work to protect our great heritage, promote the Italian language, build stronger ties between Italy and the United States, and serve as your voice in our nation's capital. Most importantly, with over a million dollars a year in scholarships and grants, our efforts provide young Italian-Americans help in earning a solid education and becoming leaders for tomorrow. To find out more about how your support serves the community, visit us online at www.niaf.org and become a part of the NIAF family today.
3: This is Julia Streisfeld, Assistant Director of Programs for the National Italian American Foundation. And here is your Italian American community news. Italian actor Bud Spencer passed away Tuesday, June 28th. as Carlo Pedersoli in the neighborhood of Santa Lucia, Naples, Spencer was well known for his roles in Spaghetti Western films. He appeared in 26 films in addition to supporting many children's charities and establishing his own scholarship program. NEAF needs your support to pass legislation in Congress to give our community a long-overdue apology for the internment and civil rights violations committed against Italian-Americans during World War II. Join us and sign our Change.org petition. Learn more at NEAF.org. Help preserve the statue of Christopher Columbus in Washington, D.C. The statue is one of 20 sites that have been nominated for a grant by the Partners in Preservation Campaign. Winners will be decided by popular vote. Voting is underway now and will continue until July 5th, 2016. You can cast your vote daily at www.nationalgeographic.com slash voteyourpark. And here is your NEAF news. Join us as we celebrate our heritage in the nation's capital. Mark October 15th on your calendars for our 41st anniversary gala in Washington, D.C. at the Washington Marriott Wardman Park Hotel. Tickets can be bought at neaf.org. NIAF is LaVagna DC's July charity of the month. Each Wednesday throughout the month of July, a portion of the night's proceeds will go towards our foundation and our educational programs. You can eat delicious Italian food and donate to a good cause. Make your reservations now at LaVagnaDC.com.
1: We are thrilled to have that partnership with the National Italian American Foundation. They have done a great job in sharing the podcast and getting it out there to more Italian Americans. All right, Dolores, why don't you introduce our guest?
2: The Honorable Patricia DeStacey Harrison is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the leading funder of public radio and public television program for the American people. Under Ms. Harrison's leadership in 2011, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting otherwise known as CPB, launched American Graduate, Let's Make It Happen, a nationwide public media initiative to help communities across the country identify and implement solutions to the high school dropout crisis. For this work, she was honored in 2016 with a Promise of America Award from the America's Promise Alliance. Ms. Harrison is also chairman of the Leadership Council of Women and Girls LEAD. In 2012, she was included on the Forbes list of women changing the world in media for establishing Women and Girls LEAD and her continued leadership on the project. Prior to joining CPB, Ms. Harrison served as Assistant Secretary of State for Educational and Cultural Affairs and Acting Undersecretary for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. She is the recipient of many awards and honors including the U.S. Secretary of State's Distinguished Service Award. She sits on the board of the National Italian American Foundation, the National Parkinson Foundation, and the American University of Rome. Lastly, she is the author of two books, A Seat at the Table, An Insider's Guide for America's New Women Leaders, and America's New Women Entrepreneurs.
1: All right, I think it's safe to say that if the interview is anything like her bio, we're (laughs) only for a real treat. (laughs) So to bring us right into the interview here, I'm going to give you a quote from Marion Wright Edelman. Family and moral values are so central to everything that I am. All right. So now it's time for our main interview segment, and we're delighted to have Miss Pat Harrison with us today, the CEO of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Ms. Harrison, welcome to the Italian American podcast.
0: Thank you, Anthony and Dolores.
1: So we always kind of start right off with our guests and asking them about their childhood and growing up Italian American. What could you tell us about that to, to get us going here?
0: Well, obviously, I've had a a lot of opportunities to to, to talk about the impact of growing up Italian American, and lately, I've been diving a little bit deeper on beyond the sort of the, the cliche of families getting together on Sundays. It was a feeling of safety and strength, and if there's anything I want to give to my kids, it's that feeling of safety and strength that then helped them build confidence mm-hmm. because it was not based on monetary values. It was based on being around people at a very young age who had opinions that they expressed. And it didn't matter whether you understood the opinions or agreed with the opinions. They expressed these opinions in such a strong way that it influenced you to develop your own opinions. And that's not even uh, mentioning uh, the fun of just being around them. They seem to have captured the market on having a good time. <laughs> but then as I thought about it a little more, it it's this generosity of spirit that no matter what you have, if someone comes to your home, you have really almost a moral obligation to make sure they leave totally overfed <laughs> overserved and feeling as if you have so much food that they can have seconds they can have thirds it's just that spirit of welcoming somebody
3: hmm. absolutely yeah, that's great.
2: beautifully said you you mentioned that uh, lately you've been interested in diving deeper. Is this just kind of personally, or is it being you know you implementing it in some kind of tangible way? Well, yes, because
0: um, recently I was very honored uh, to receive an award from a former Secretary, now uh, General Colin Powell, mm. and uh, the America's Promise Alliance Foundation for Work and Education. And during that process, you had to provide them with really some significant information about what influenced you as a young person and why. And they really, really wanted you to uh, take some time to do this so that it could be of value to anybody at the event. And as they watched it being streamed, that it would have relevance to uh, young people who We're not Italian-American, who might be growing up not like I did. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in a rural area. So I was trying to figure out how I could communicate what I got from my family. And basically, it was to develop a moral compass Mm. so that no matter where you go or what situation you find yourself in, you know who you are. You may be confused about how to achieve whatever you define as victory, but you're not confused about what you believe in and what your character stands for. I think this is definitely something that everyone needs to develop because the world's a very confusing place right now.
1: Yeah, that's great. I I think that idea of that moral compass is really important, especially for me with I have three young kids and um you know, I'm always thinking about things to do like on Memorial Day, I took them to to church and I had them light a can. I mean, you know, they're 6 and 9. I had them light a candle right. and I tried to explain to them what the day was about and I think that we need to take time for things like that. So you're saying that it kind of shapes you know, their beliefs and they understand kind of more of a foundation for them because, you know, we can't prepare them for every single decision they're going to make. But if we give them a good foundation, then hopefully they're able to make the right decision. And and I obviously remember that from, you know, my parents and grandparents trying to give me that same compass that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, it's I think as a parent, it's the most important thing you could do. And My grandfather, who spoke what they called broken English, which probably now is a politically incorrect term, (laughs) even said he spoke broken English. I mean, he was a barber. And his advice, which I still remember today to all of the young men who came into his barbershop, was don't be stupid. Stay in in school. At a time when young American boys were really dropping out because they were going to work to help support the family. And I never forgot that. He was quite an interesting person. He taught me a lot of lessons in some very strange ways.
2: You know, we talk about this uh, often on the show. Uh, You know, growing up for me, my parents were both immigrants um, from near Naples. They came here after they got married. So I had the experience in some ways of really growing up with those old world values. And it's, such a mark of who I am now, but I even remember, you know, in high school feeling like I had such a solid (laughs) ground. It's like you have a
0: secret that no one else has. (laughs) Yes,
2: exactly. I had like a superpower. Right. I I remember would have moments where I would look at my friends and I would I would almost feel, you know, sad a little bit for them that they didn't have this. Yes, yes. These ethics, these values, this kind of solid
0: bedrock to live on. Yeah, because I think to a certain extent, uh, yes, there was an environment of love, but there was also an environment of fear. Yep. So you, yes. you really were more concerned about your parents and your family's reaction than you were your friends. And that's really important. When you are growing up, when you're very, very young or going, going through high school, uh, this thing that you are, you have an obligation, a family responsibility that goes back before Caesar, you know? Right, right. That yes. We stand for something. We're connected to art and culture and humanity
3: and hardship.
0: And that's why I was so pleased uh, last year that uh, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting was a major funder of the PBS series The Italian Americans. And so many people who watched the series said, oh, I had no idea that these young men and women came over and they took on backbreaking jobs. They built this country. I mean, walk around in Washington, go to the Capitol. All of this was done by Italian Americans. And there were no laws protecting them, and they sent the money back home. They tried to build a life. There was great prejudice, but instead of folding, instead of being demolished, they just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's an interesting model if people choose to look at it.
2: That's a perfect way to put it. You know, for myself, I find at times when I'm feeling weak or tired, I... (laughs) only have to think of my family to give me that strength to say, all right, Dolores, get up, stop whining. You know, if your parents could come here not knowing the language, not educated at all. Right. You know, you can do what they did. You can do this.
0: I know. It's so funny you say this, Dolores, because every single morning, usually around 6, 10 a.m., I go, get up, get going, get out of here. (laughs) <laughs> and the other part of me is, shut up. I'm tired of listening to you. <laughs> so while I'm having this conversation, I get up and I get going and I get out of there and drive yeah. to work.
2: It's like even if you want to lay in bed you can't because that voice is in you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ethics it's in horrible.
0: you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Certainly contributed to your uh enormous success, I'm sure.
0: Well, everything is connected. You don't just succeed by yourself. I mean, it's such a cliche, but it is it is true. And so I liked what you said, Dolores, about thinking about your parents. And I I reference my grandfather, my my parents, and even people I never met, like Machiavelli mm-hmm. <laughs> and others who had a take on civil society and how you make your way through.
1: Ms. Harrison, we know you're involved with the National Italian American Foundation. What was it that made you want to get kind of involved with your heritage and why you take so much pride in it? What was it? Anything specific?
0: Well, a lot of it had to do with the fact that when I grew up and I left Brooklyn, and a lot of those people who meant so much to me have died, and NIAF presented... It's so scary, you know, almost a direct replica of everyone who ever yelled at me in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so wonderful being among this familiar environment and of hard workers, bright people who know how to have fun. And if you want to get your opinion expressed, you better jump in pretty fast because they're not going to wait for you. And I like the fact that uh, John Viola has enabled NIAF to connect with a much younger generation because that's where we really have to put our focus and our resources.
2: Mm, yeah, for sure. It's just part of why we're doing uh, the podcast for sure. You know, it's, it's, it, we call it the Italian American podcast because there's not another one out there like it yet. And, you know, it's a new medium. It's, it's a younger generations forum. And we really, we feel like this is a great way to kind of bring those traditions and the pride in our heritage into a new age for a new generation.
0: Yeah, and I think we have a lot to share with people who are not Italian-American because through a lot of our symposiums, we talk about uh, new immigrants, we talk about the struggle people have, the challenge. It's very, very hard. And everybody needs that core group of support and I would suggest even if you're not Italian American try us out you might like us you, know. <laughs> you might find a lot in in common with this uh commitment to family and back right. and hard
3: work
2: There are certain things that we offer as a people uh, we we talk about this as well in the show we the three of us right now have already you know touched on many of those things but you know American society is so wonderful and all of us are proud Americans I know that but there is something in the italian american ethos that i feel like in this crazy world people can use for themselves and it's and it's many of the things that we've already discussed but family stepping in for that thing that is something larger than you
0: yes exactly and that that is so important because it helps put things in perspective exactly you have your day to day challenge your long term challenge but there's a bigger picture And how do you build on such an incredible heritage and legacy? And we're not talking about kings and queens here or worrying, you know, who we're going to leave the castle to. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about people who did believe in an American dream Mm -hmm. and who made it possible for so many of us. So we have to reinterpret that dream every single day and make sure that, you know, as you said, Anthony, You're talking to your young children about what Memorial Day means and the fact we can't celebrate the 4th of July if we don't have Memorial Day and people making sacrifices and the connection to freedom and independence. So we have a great deal to offer, and um, I'm proud that NIAF, through our scholarships and really engagement, is making that heritage very real to a new generation.
1: Yeah, that's great. Miss Harrison, before we get into your career a bit, talk to us about your name. I know your your maiden name is Distasio the and there's a little bit of a story behind that.
0: Well, like so many people who came to this country, my grandfather was 12 and he came by himself and he was met by relatives in New York and at Ellis Island they just there's two versions of this story. They changed the name. It was Distasio. But the other version of the story, and I'm beginning to think that was more accurate, is that uh, my uncle Lou was a stockbroker, and it was around the 1920s, I guess, and he changed the name from Distacio De to DeStacy because he felt it sounded French, and at the time. I know, go figure. (laughs) At the the time, there was such prejudice about Italians even handling money or advising anybody on stocks that he decided he was going to change the name. And by the time I came along, it was De Stasi. And I had to do the research because my grandfather didn't make a big deal of the fact because I never called him Mr. De Stasi. I just called him Nana, you know, Nana. And so... When I started looking into things, half the family is Destacio, half the family is De Stacey with a small D. My brother spells it with a big D, like one whole word. So it's it's all oh, very wow. confusing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting.
2: Oh, that is an interesting story. So you've had a very I mean, you continue to have a very extensive career. We went through your many accolades and accomplishments in the bio and in the intro to this episode, you've been in the PR world. Um, in, in the 70s, you had a company, E. Bruce Harrison Company, with your husband. You're currently, of course, playing a huge role in media at the head of the corporation for public broadcasting. We recently had uh, Gay Talese on the show, famous journalist and yeah. writer, Yeah, of course, involved in media himself. And he said something that was interesting to me, which was that it's really important to have people in media representing. Yeah, your culture, but of course, specifically, we were talking about Italian Americans. Yes, yes. Right. And he, it was his opinion that there weren't enough, at least, uh, Italian Americans in media. It wasn't, it's not necessarily our (laughs) strong suit, as opposed to, let's say, entertainment or something like that. And he said, yeah, his opinion was, you know, that that's kind of why we don't have control of our image. And when you don't have people representing you in media, your image can be exploited. And I just, would like you to talk to that for for a few minutes.
0: Well, I think he's absolutely right. He's he, he's a very good friend of my husband's. Mm. They went to the oh. University of Alabama. Um, ah. he was probably the first Italian to go there. <laughs>
3: right, <funny>. I bet. <laughs> but, but
0: I think it's a point well taken because you can name on you know the hand one hand of course Maria Bartiromo, mm-hmm. but I don't think we took that route because. Basically, we come from people who had to figure out how to stay alive, and so they weren't looking at the, quote, career path. And when they did look at a career path, it was mostly as maybe building up construction companies, going into the restaurant business, things that they had sort of relied on before or their their parents had done this And it's only in newer generations that you see across the board, especially in uh, finance. uh, Many, many Italian-Americans have chosen finance and extremely successful in uh, starting new companies in Silicon Valley and CEOs of corporations. But they ironically did not pick media, which is odd because I think inherently we have huge communication skills, mostly outgoing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think it is important to have that voice. And I was surprised when um, we had the reactions and and a lot of town hall meetings throughout the country connected to the series, The Italian Americans, how much misinformation there is about us out there because uh, it has been defined by so many uh, films that people love and Goodfellas, The Godfather which is a downside to malign an entire people. But there is something under all of that that is a positive. And if you can say there's a positive, people are yearning for direction and they are yearning for strength in leadership. And as crazy as as it may seem, the Godfather series, which I think is just absolutely brilliant, is really a story about family and about being connected to family and what happens when you betray those values at a a level that it comes back and destroys oneself. So it's almost Shakespearean in, in its portrayal of all of these different people. And the reason it's so popular, it connects to people who are struggling with bigger issues than are portrayed specifically in the film. So I think eventually you will see more Italian-Americans in media and um, in significant roles. But right now, I think we're busy taking over the world in other places.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I read in in preparing to speak with you, uh, you know, you read some of your comments about, you know, the show Jersey Shore and things like that. And and what Gates Elise was kind of getting at was, you know, the, he even said something along these lines, but not referring to Jersey Shore. That, for instance, a show about Jewish Americans like that would never be able to happen because
0: too many people. No, oh, I see. Like a Jersey Shore, right? Uh, but th- it did happen. I mean, the fact is, there have been all these stereotypical shows going back a very long time beyond television through movies. And it's only when people become powerful and they express themselves. So when you own your story and you don't like how you're portrayed and you have a vote, then you change the narrative. The problem is that some of us care about it. Some of us don't. Italian-Americans are a very unique group of people. I think we're people who are grounded in the past, but we have really got our eye on the future. We don't spend a lot of time on real or perceived grievances. It's just not in our DNA. So as a result, there are a lot of stereotypical ads out there that can do harm because we're raising young kids and it's not funny. It, it is um, serious stuff. But I think we're just not focused on. That to the extent that perhaps some other groups are, and as a result, we're fair game. In Mm. a way, they think we're fair game because we always demonstrate this very strong persona, Mm. like, you know, hit us with your best shot, and then... We'll see what happens after that. Yeah. So we're our own worst enemy sometimes.
2: Well, that's terrifically said. I don't know that anyone's ever put it that way. But as you were just explaining that, it clicked in a way. It's like, whatever, sure, make fun of us. Like we care, you know. Like we're <laughs> like you're not gonna offend me, or you're not gonna you're not gonna dent my confidence by making fun of me.
1: It's like we said before. I mean, since we've seen what our family's already gone through, yes, it, yeah, it gives you an, it gives you a lot of confidence.
0: Well, one of the uh, things I'm very pleased about is our Italian American caucus, uh, Republicans and Democrats, and when they get together, recently Naya sponsored a bocce tournament. Right, Of course, everyone has an opinion before they throw the (laughs) ball, but there is such a nice feeling of uh, collegiality, which, you know, in this political environment is very uh, unique. And uh, so you have a Republican like Pat Berry, you have a Democrat like Nancy Pelosi, and various people who really speak to values that they share – apart from specific uh, parties. And it's really a wonderful thing to see that demonstrated.
1: That's interesting. So, Ms. Harrison, before you joined the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, you served as the Assistant Secretary of State for Educational and Cultural Affairs and acting under Secretary for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. Can you talk to us about those experiences?
0: Well, my experience uh, was really shaped by the profound uh, leadership qualities of uh, then Secretary uh, Colin Powell, who, by the way, I made an honorary Italian American at a night. <laughs> <up and ten. laughs> I love
2: that.
0: <laughs> so I learned so much uh, working with him. My specific uh, portfolio included managing uh, forty thousand exchanges a year. And they ranged from high school kids to high-level professional international visitor programs. And what I I came away with is that no matter where these people came from, what country they came from, they really couldn't believe the freedom that Americans have to say what's on our mind. And our ability also to look at a problem and then decide, I'm just making this up as an example, something terrible happens, and then suddenly you have Mothers Against Drunk Driving, or you have some other event, and people come together and try to turn it into a legacy of hope. And a lot of them went back, especially um, the younger students. They wanted to start a battered women's asylum Uh, in Russia, for example, or they wanted to do something for the environment. And it was really inspiring because we didn't tell them what to say. We certainly didn't tell them what to think. And I was able to see our country through their eyes and just so grateful that I live in the USA.
1: Hmm. That's great. So now on to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. You serve as the CEO, of course. And, you know, you're kind of overseeing the direction of these federal funds to nearly 1,500 public radio and television stations and producers across the U.S. And I know that you have a very strategic focus on innovation, diversity, and engagement. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that.
0: Well, basically start from the premise that public media, radio and television, belongs to the American people. And as we talked about the importance of telling your own story or somebody else tells it for you, we want every American to see their story, have a connection with uh, what they see on public media. And as great as Downton Abbey is, it's really not our story. It's a wonderful story. It's high quality drama, but we have another way of connecting to people if we tell their stories on a local level through StoryCorps, which is on NPR. So we had the opportunity to fund veterans coming home and talking about some of the challenges of reentering American life. We also had uh, very various ethnic groups talking about their experience of American life in stories that uh, connect to people, no matter what their background happens to be. Our two core pillars are education and journalism, and we are funding journalism at the local level, especially in the age of uh, technology. How can we make sure that localism doesn't get lost and it's all a national approach? And of course, as our world continues to shrink, it's local, national and international are not really separated, And through American Graduate, an initiative that's focused on helping American young people graduate from high school and stop the hemorrhage of one million young people failing to graduate every year, we're working with over 1,400 organizations to understand what it requires for these kids to stay in school, get an education, and be able to support themselves and not wind up either in prison or wards of the state. So public media works uh, through engagement. We're online. We're in the community, and for less than a dollar thirty-five from the American taxpayer, we're doing a pretty good job because we are also supported by men and women in the community. And this is usually where I ask for your donation. <laughs> 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 so that is why I was so pleased that we could fund the Italian American series on PBS, because for the first time, it's hearing Italian American stories from Italian Americans who are hardworking people, who uh, have achieved at so many different levels, at the highest levels uh, that you can imagine, but who also were referencing their roots and where they started from. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that series is incredible. And we we've talked about it before on the show. We've even had uh, Maria Lorino on who wrote the companion book, of course, to to right. the series. Yeah. We've encouraged our listeners and again, Paisani, if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. It's it's so incredible and you will learn so much that you didn't you didn't know, but it's it's also a it's an honest and beautiful testament to our people for sure. And it was needed. It was. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so in addition to education, you you also do a lot of work with uh, women and girls and leadership, female empowerment. Uh, You wrote two books. One is a seat at the table an insider's guide for America's new women leaders and then America's new entrepreneurs. So you're obviously interested in helping women find their voice in leadership roles, which is a topic dear to my heart as well since we're on the Italian American podcast, I'm going to ask you about Italian American women, because one thing that is always on my mind is there is an image out there of Italian women as crazy. <laughs> <laughs> if you go on like Instagram and Facebook, you know, there's all these pictures where Italian girls, they make the best <laughs> friends, and, you know, the most dangerous lovers, uh, things like that. And And I know it's supposed to be funny and it is funny. And you know, I'm kind of crazy. I wouldn't say I'm not, but I'm also very interested in uh, honing that stereotype, right? To be, yeah. user, right? <laughs> Using that energy and that passion and that crazy drive for something very positive and empowering. And uh, I would like for you to just talk about that, if,
0: if you want. Yes. And I, I mean, I have many, many uh, Italian American uh, female friends who demonstrate such incredible ability and have achieved at so many different levels. Maria Bartiromo, who I mentioned earlier, is one of them. Anita McBride, who was chief of staff, to First Lady Laura Bush. But I think we bring an extra element to the table with our business smarts. It's that inner confidence. It is the ability to hold your own in what, for many people, can be an all-male environment, And do it in a way uh, that doesn't annihilate everyone around the table for the first week,
2: perhaps.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it is that spirit that connects to caring that that comes through. So it is um, one of the last stereotypes to go away. But even if you look at Italy, where they like to portray the mother, you know, who is listening to her husband 24 hours a day, the, the basic fact is she's running the house. She's hey. running that family. She's one of the, she is the, the big influence. And we have to be careful because stereotypes are really a quarter of an inch deep. All of the Italian American women I know are formidable mm-hmm. <laughs> at every single level. And they do so much. I I was, um, With uh, several of them at an event to uh, support research for breast cancer, Aileen Carlucci, who has so much style and grace, but raises and not but so much money for breast cancer, who had breast cancer. And another example of, all right, this tragedy has hit me. How then do I turn around and make sure it, it doesn't impact anyone else? Can I raise money for research or equipment? So I just see it every day, and I'm always surprised when that stereotype emerges. Usually we get we're hot-headed. Hot-headed, <laughs>
2: that's it. Yep, yeah. hot-headed, yeah. You Which, know. again, is, I mean, I can't say that I didn't know any hot-headed people, and that personally I'm not hot-headed, but, you know, I mean, I also have the capacity to contain myself and function as exactly.
0: a <laughs> strong Okay, soldier. so we slam a door once in a while. I- <laughs> <laughs>
1: Miss Harrison, I guess as we, as we start to wrap up here, I think one question that I have for you or maybe more of a comment, but it seems like some of the things that you described to us, especially with the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and kind of the opportunity you have to fund some of the, the journalists and some of these different media outlets, it sounds like this is a big corporation and you're at the head of it. So there's obviously big decisions you have to make, but it sounds like you really still go back to that fundamental foundation that you have. There's a lot of you in these decisions and like your upbringing. Is that true?
0: It is true. And I think in a weird, well, maybe not a weird way, in an unusual way, the higher up you go, the more you have to revert back to where you came from. Hmm. Because there are so many different pulls on you, whether you're running a company or a foundation, or whatever decision-making you have to make for the long-term, you also have to be open to getting input from the best possible places and people that you can. And you can only do that if you have confidence in your own leadership to step back and listen to different opinions. And I go back to growing up in this Italian family where the opinions were flying all over the place. And people, it was the original, I think, storyboard or PowerPoint, <laughs> where people were saying, well, you're crazy, or that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And if you had to make your case every mm-hmm. single time. Nobody cut you any slack. You could be six years old or 110, you know.
2: So true. So, it yeah, it
0: is. It really has served me well, and sometimes I laugh at the fact that I haven't come very, very far mm-hmm. from those days around the dinner table at my grandparents' home.
2: Well, they serve us so well, as, we, as we've already talked about, those values and that compass is, is really all you need to keep going forward in life, you know? I have like a million things that I want to ask you, but for time's sake, I won't because what you keep talking about is such a big part of my life. And in addition to the podcast, I have another business of my own where I do consulting and public speaking. And it's, it's really based on using values and everything. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much you're saying that is resonating with me. I'm getting like chills as we've been talking and using those values as, as empowerment, right. You know, for for women and for all people, and they're based in knowing who you are and where you come from. That's what will keep you strong.
0: My final thing I'll say in terms of women and leadership, before you can lean in, you have to know who you are and which direction you're leaning. So I think a focus on values comes before you get taught how to climb a corporate ladder.
2: That is beautifully said. Before we let you go, I have to ask you about something that I was so excited to read about getting ready for this episode. It's something I haven't had a chance to talk about on the show and it does kind of flow into what i was just talking about in terms of uh, my other business and this is your support of transcendental meditation so um this also is tied up in the kind of stereotypes we were talking about before right you know italians don't meditate we're crazy we throw things we slam doors right. you know passionate we're loud so i personally i don't do transcendental meditation but i do meditate every morning and i just started doing it later on in life i started a after my father passed away, it was a very hard time for me, and it, it took me a while to get out of what I had gotten myself into. And meditation and prayer became so important to me, even though I had always been that person who was like, "I can't sit still, I can't meditate." You know, right. like, nobody in my family's meditating. You know, that's so crazy. It was like sometimes I I think of the image of picture share in Moonstruck in the lotus position, and that like that's me right. trying to meditate. But I I have found it to be It saves me and it keeps me centered. And I can tell when I'm not meditating because that's when my life starts to go off track. Well, I got
0: involved uh, with it through uh, Bob Roth, who runs the David Lynch Foundation in New York. And he felt that if I were interested, that I could come to New York for a four day session. I tried to negotiate with him to get it down to one day and one hour. (laughs) <laughs> uh, he said you're missing the entire point <laughs> but I found uh, similar to you Dolores that after my mother died mm. I had a hard time getting my thoughts focused because her, her loss was so profound for me and for my family and it enabled me just to center myself it's not a religious initiative in any way it has more to do with your brain waves. And now they have all the research to show what actually happens when you meditate. It's not a strict thing where you have to be mindful. You sit down for 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, and there's no real wrong way of doing it. And your mind can wander. Then you bring it back to whatever you're thinking in in your head over and over again, which is just a device, a mantra. And it It has helped our troops coming back who suffer from post-traumatic stress and kids who've been abused. I mean, the David Lynch Foundation is working with women who've been in horrible areas of conflict throughout the world. And this has saved their lives to get those horrible pictures out of their head. It calms them. It focuses the brain. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And people Mm -hmm. like Jerry Seinfeld and CEOs and do have been doing it for 40 years. So I'm not going to lie and say I do this every single day, but I do it mostly in the evening, every night. I said to Bob Roth, what happens when I fall asleep? He said, no big deal.
2: And I love, you know, just being able to bring in the the different experiences of Italian-Americans, you know, that we have so much in common, but you can also take on these other things that maybe aren't innate in our culture, but, you know, they can help and empower you.
1: Great. Well, Pat, are there any other initiatives you're working on or anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up?
0: Well, we're always focused on ensuring that public media is strengthened no matter who is president of the United States and that Our stations on a local level throughout the country are working within their communities, uh, especially in education where our schools need so much help. And where through Ready to Learn, we've measured and evaluated the success of the program. And basically to congratulate the two of you for this (laughs) wonderful entrepreneurial and very fresh look at our Italian-American
2: culture. Oh, thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed the interview with Miss Harrison. She was really, really family oriented, which is great. And talked about, Dolores and I talk about this stuff a lot, but talked about values and how much of an impact they can have on your life. And I know, Dolores, you enjoyed the conversation.
2: Yeah, very much so. I mean, values is kind of an old fashioned word but they matter a lot. And as she spoke about, you know, it's it's almost as though the more successful you get, the more you need to return to those core values that you were raised with. And as Italian Americans, I feel like it's really important. And it's a thing that we have to offer other Americans.
1: Absolutely. All right. With that, let's head to New Orleans in our next segment of the show. Now it's time for our Italian American stories segment. This is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations, and we try to play a recording or a story from one of our relatives or from one of our listeners. In today's clip, you're going to hear a tour that I took of the Italian American Museum in New Orleans. It's a brief audio tour, and a lot of Italian Americans don't realize that there's such a big, or there was such a big Sicilian population in new orleans uh, many sicilians emigrated to the new orleans area for reasons that you'll hear about in this tour so with that let me recognize our sponsor for this segment and take you right into the tour our sponsor is select italy select italy is the ultimate source for travel to italy and offers a wide array of superior italian travel products and services including customized itineraries fascinating tours romantic getaways unique and fun culinary classes yacht charters, transportation, hotel reservations, villa bookings, tickets for museums, musical events, and more. All right, so I'm here at the Italian American Cultural Center with Julia Dean, and Julia's just walking me around the museum a little bit, kind of giving me a little tour here. Of
4: course. So welcome to the Italian American uh, Cultural Center, and uh, we're going to start out with our tour on how the Sicilians got into New Orleans. So, in um, 1880s, after the unification of Italy, Sicilians were unhappy with the state of the government. They felt that they were being um, taxed, but without being represented. So it's something that us as Americans can understand. Right. Uh, so as you may know, it, Italy is a young country. Um, it was unified in 1861. And so um, Sicilians, after um, being unhappy with the new government, they uh, actually climbed aboard the same steamships that had previously brought uh, citrus fruits into the port of New Orleans. Um, so there's already this trade connection called the Citrus Connection. Okay,
1: so that was already established.
4: It was already established between Sicily and New Orleans. And so they went aboard these same ships, like the one you see here, the Liguria. There were others as well. Right. Um, and the journey took about three weeks, and it cost uh, about 15 to $30 for these poor, mostly poor Sicilian farmers who wanted to start a new, better life in America, mm. uh, and that's how they they got here. Um, so th- it was an earlier wave of uh, immigration than most of the immigration movements going through Ellis Island. Uh, and they um, once they came here, they settled in the French Quarter uh, mostly, and they usually had. Uh, small shops on the bottom floor of these kinds of apartments, and then they would live on the second and third floor f- floors with their families. Hmm. Um, so they mostly.
1: This is a kind of an exhibit showing maybe, I guess they sold watermelon or is Yeah,
4: that- they sold, yeah, they had fruit stands, um, like you see here, small little grocery stores. Um, and they also uh, became involved with the international fruit trade with countries in Latin America and the Caribbean as well. Oh, wow. um, so they, they maintained that connection to the food economy that they had had in Sicily as farmers.
3: Okay. Um,
4: and as you mentioned, some of them, if the ones that didn't settle in the French Quarter, actually worked on the plantations, especially after um, the recently freed slaves left a shortage of workers and so plantation uh, owners actually requested that Sicilians be brought over uh, to fill in those those gaps. And that
1: was because they were used to working in the heat in the fields right? Exactly
4: the same similar climate and uh, and conditions yeah although uh, I don't think the Sicilians were prepared for the social stigma that came with working in the roles of recently freed slaves. Right. Uh, so they were they were deemed non-whites, a separate racial category. And um, as a result of that, they had to, to fight that prejudice by forming mutual aid societies.
1: One last thing. Can we take a look at the St. Sure. Joseph's altar room? Sure. There is a, uh, a beautiful and large St. Joseph's altar here that is kind of lined with food. Um... I guess, models of the different foods that would be...
4: That's right. That would be. So uh, St. Joseph's Day every year is on March 19th, and it's also Father's Day in Italy. Uh, and most... It's, it's interesting. This tradition has become really strong in New Orleans, within the Sicilian New Orleans community, but even in the community at large, there's a parade honoring St. Joseph's Day, uh, and they also have churches create these altars um, where they offer... Uh, offer food and wine uh, up for, for charity. Uh, and the tradition began uh, based on a legend. So the legend went that in Sicily, there was a famine, and Sicilians prayed to St. Joseph for deliverance. And St. Joseph granted them these um, kind of fava beans are known to be right. a good luck charm of Saint, from St. Joseph's day. Um, so they he granted them... Um, the the father beans, the growth that became their sustenance and uh, saved them from from hunger. So to to honor and worship Saint Joseph, they celebrate Saint Saint Joseph's Day, and all the food that's presented at the altar at the end is given to the poor, to the hungry.
1: Um, is this a, a fig bread or something? Yeah, or?
4: yeah. So they have uh, different breads that are in the shape of. Um, they, well, first you have over here. You have the, right. the fish. Fish in christ it's just bread, bread shaped in different ways yeah, and it looks shaped. like this one has
1: basically fig in, in yeah, the bread that's right elaborate flower decoration
4: that's right and G- they have yeah cross uh, bread and um shepherd's kind of hook too so it's it takes um sometimes months for these uh, i haven't had experience making these Kay. types of breads but i've heard it's very it's a very involved process wow
1: well. um, no, this is. There's a parade here. You said yes. Here? There's okay. a
4: parade, and they usually combine with the Irish, actually, because it's around Saint Patrick's Day as well. Okay, so it's Italian. Um, oh, that's great Irish parade. Yeah,
1: awesome. Well, thank you for this little You're kind welcome. of quick tour. Of <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our interview with Ms. Harrison, as well as my tour of the Italian American museum in new Orleans to take us out. I'd like to recognize our sponsor again for this segment of the episode and then kick it over to Dolores to tell you how you can connect with us. Our sponsor for this segment is select Italy. Everything you need for optimum travel to Italy is possible with select Italy. And now thanks to select Italy, you can combine yoga with your next Italian vacation. Join Ariana Sertoli a certified holistic health coach, self-trained chef, and yoga teacher in early September for a yoga retreat in the enchanting region of Puglia, the heel of Italy. Experience a unique vacation in the name of adventure, wellness, healthy food, Italian wonders, and yoga practice. Visit www.selectitaly.com forward slash yoga for details. Dolores, take us out.
2: Okay, Amici, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and also please consider connecting with us on social media. There's a lot going on on our different social media channels, so we'd love to have you. You can find us on Instagram at ItalianAmerican and Twitter at ItalAmerican, I-T-A-L American, American, and on Facebook at ItalianAmericanPodcast. Salute!